0: Why don't we pause, why don't we pray, and then we're going to jump right into uh, Ephesians. Father, we are grateful for this evening, Lord, we are grateful for your faithfulness in our lives, and Lord, thank you for constantly speaking and encouraging and strengthening us, Lord. May we draw near to you this evening, may we learn what this passage is about as we look again at the armor of and what it is to put on the full armor of God. Lord, help us to not only learn of it, but to do it, Lord, in our lives. And so I do ask that you would bless our time together. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we are going to conclude the book of Ephesians. And a couple of friends of mine who have done uh, the spoken word poetry, both of them have been, there's four people who are involved with this, but two of them have been here on grassroots, who um, I had interaction with, and at their church, I think it's out in Monrovia, the church that they attend, they went through the book of Ephesians, and as they finished it, four people came up, and they recite the entire book of Ephesians. And they do it in a very uh, dynamic way, very animated, and it's very powerful. And so I have a video of it and we are going to, cause next week we're just gonna have a few verses and then we're gonna actually watch them go through the entire book of Ephesians. And I, I encourage you to be here. I was, uh, I was surprised how moved I was hearing them talk cause you, you, read these things, and it's a powerful book, but just to see them, and you can start to imagine how Paul would be talking to someone and just relating these things, and it just came across very, very powerful. And so we're going to be doing that uh, next Wednesday night, so that'll be a treat, I think, for all of us. But anyway, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, and we are continuing with the armor of God, and what I want to do is actually start at verse 10, even though we went through 10 to 13, I want to go from 10 all the way uh, to 18, um, actually to 17, and then we're going to finish actually 18 to 20 as well. But let's read starting at chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, As you think of this illustration, you know, it's really good to see uh, these analogies. I mean, the way the human mind thinks, we, we often think in a, in a picture way. We, we put things into a context that we can identify with. You know, and many times it'll be an event that we've experienced, something that's happened in our lives, it might be in the past, and so what your mind does is it recreates that event and it brings context to whatever is there in front of you. And so someone will talk, talk to you about an event that happened and you interpret it based on your understanding, and your understanding is based on what you've heard, what you've studied and what you've experienced. And so as you see these kinds of illustrations, they help put a, a framework on what's being said. And it's a, really a, a great way to be able to teach or to be able to communicate is using these analogies because our minds start piecing things together. And so Jesus, you know, he'd say the kingdom of heaven is like, a bread or a mustard seed or whatever these things are. And it's like, well, the kingdom of heaven isn't really like bread, but we understand based on the analogy what he means. And so the analogy gives us the context or the ability to grasp hold of it. And this is probably Paul's strongest analogy as he starts talking about the armor of God. And, you know, when you think of an analogy and just clothing yourself with something, it's interesting because men buy clothes, women buy outfits, right? It's like, what's the occasion? I need an outfit for that occasion. Oh, it's a tea, it's a whatever the occasion might be. You buy an outfit, guys just, I get clothes. I get pants, I get shirts, whatever that those things are. But here he's actually talking about clothing ourselves, outfitting ourselves. It was kind of interesting. At the fundraiser in Lodi, we were told that it was casual. And so, you know, I had jeans on and I had a button shirt. And, you know, Corrine had some jeans on and she had some, you know, uh, sandals on. And then some people start coming in and some of the ladies come in with stilettos, you know, and just decked out. And it's kind of funny because the ladies had, you know, high heels and, and these dresses on, but the guys came in just with Bermuda shorts and, you know, loafers and a golf shirt. So I don't know how it worked, but it's like, well, wait a second. You said it was, you know, casual. What are these people doing? And you know how it is. You got these people who are all decked out and then you feel like you're underdressed, but really they're overdressed. But They make you look underdressed because they're overdressed. But anyway, the whole point is, you know, we're trying to look at this outfit. We want to dress for the occasion. We're we're wanting to see why do we need this armor? Because remember, the whole point of this book, and as we, we come to this conclusion here, it's connected to the whole point that Paul is making. You and I are a part of something much bigger than us. We are now citizens of heaven. We are seated in heavenly places. We're this new humanity in Christ. We are the people of God. We are the people who have this dynamic relationship with God. We are citizens of God's kingdom. And if we don't recognize that God has set us apart, sanctified us for a reason, then we won't understand why we need to be properly dressed. If we don't understand that there is intention and purpose for your life and for my life, that God has called us to do something, then we won't see the need to be dressed for that occasion. And it's, you know, a a little bit, or can be a little bit disconcerting when he starts talking about us followers of Christ and he starts talking about this you know, military kind of garb that we're supposed to be wearing because, you know, we think of Christ as being peaceful, but, you know, we are in a battle. It it, it is warfare. It it is something that we are needing to prepare ourselves and our lives for what's ahead of us. And the whole point of this putting on the armor of God is so that we can fulfill all the things that he has been talking about, recognizing our position, recognizing who we are as followers of Jesus, and now taking that campaign and moving it forward. We talked about that a little bit last week, how we are a part of that campaign, and and your small battle might not understand the whole intent of the war, but you're part of that. And so we have to be clothed and ready for our part in the larger campaign. And so as we look at this analogy here, you know, he can't tell us exactly what needs to be done. He has to give us a picture. And the pictures he paints, I think, are ones that we can clearly understand. It illuminates the essentials, really. This this analogy Illuminates the essentials of what it is, the character of the Christian life. Truth, righteousness, faith. You know, there are souls breath. It's food and drink. It's the things that we need to be the people who we are called to be. And these are the items that we use to gauge, really, our spiritual health. And so, let's step into them. First in verse 14, he tells us, that we should stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. First, we have to fasten the belt of truth around us. Truth in the New Testament can sometimes be something that's a little abstract. It's true ideas regarding God. But more often it means true to the nature of something, authentic, what is real. You know, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, what, what does that mean? It means the who he is, what he represents, the fulfillment of all those things. And so the truth that he is is now a truth that we are connected to. But it's more than just connected to Jesus. It's connected to being a person who is genuine, authentic, and real. It's to be... Accurate, we're to present ourself genuinely before people and before God. It's in a sense, it's the bedrock of our life in God. Remember, God knows who we are, and all the doubts we have, and all the struggles we deal with. And before God, there is no secret but oftentimes we live our lives in secret. And that's the great thing about the Celebrate Recovery is we all recognize our hangups, we all recognize we have our hurts, we all recognize the habits and things that we've developed. And so once we all acknowledge those things, then there's no longer the stigma of those things. But we pretend, We pretend to be better than we are. We pretend to be holier than we are. We pretend to be, you know, not as hurt as we are sometimes. And yet what really needs to take place is to be true to who we are, to be genuine. And would it please God if we sacrificed our integrity or our questions or our The doubts that we have, would it it please God if we pretended to have faith when we really didn't because we know we're supposed to? You understand what I'm saying? It's like, well, I have questions, but I'm a Christian now, so I can't have questions. Well, that's not being true. God's big enough for our questions. Well, I struggle with this. That's okay. God is big enough for your struggles. And if we would be people who had true character, it would probably be more inviting for others because we are, in a sense, not as on guard or, or putting them in a place where they have to feel pretentious or pretend to be someone because we're being genuine. And not only that, we can actually grow because now we're able to dialogue about the struggles or things that we have. Every time I've had a... a a struggle, for lack of a better word, in faith about an area of scripture or about something I don't understand. How could this be and how could God be and how can the scripture say this, but life is like this. Every time I've had a problem where I don't see these things lining up and I stepped into that problem, I actually came away richer. I didn't come away and say, man, I don't know what's going on. I actually came away with more depth deeper appreciation for God, don't always understand everything, but I have more of a a closer relationship with God because I have allowed him into that area of my life. And so God wants truth in the inward parts. That's what it says in Psalm 51, 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. See, if our doubts are real, then that's what we bring to God. If our weakness is whatever it is, then that's what we bring to God. If you struggle in this, then that's what you bring to God. You bring who you are completely to God, because that's the true you. And so we are to gird ourselves with this truth. Being people who are genuine, people who are not hypocritical, people who don't pretend, people who come as we are, and you get to know who we are because we are truthful. Years ago, I remember they came out with the Christian Yellow Pages, back when they used Yellow Pages, right? I still get them on your door, right? It's like, I still get this big, huge book, and it goes immediately into the trash. Like, what am I going to do with this? But they keep making them. But I remember when they came out with, quote, the Christian Yellow Pages, and we thought, oh, great, we can support the Christian businesses. And I forget if it was the tire shop. It was like a Maranatha tire or something like that. Went there, and they were higher priced than the other tire shops, And you're thinking, wait a second, you know, I thought this was supposed to be, you know, you you know, something, I was getting a better deal. And it turns out that not everything that was Christian was a better deal. What does that do? That, That leaves you troubled. It leaves, why? Because it's not being genuine. I'd rather you just be regular tire shop, but be better than, quote, use Jesus to get business. And so this idea of being truthful and girding ourselves with the belt of truth, the belt is something that held everything together. The sword was put in the belt, the breastplate or the tunic would go underneath it, it would hold the the outfit up so that the person can move. If you're not genuine, you're not going to be useful for the kingdom's sake. If you're going to clothe yourself for this Task at hand that God has called you to be the light of the world, then you have to be genuine. And it has to be something that is central to who you are. It's just, it's important that we come across this way. I read an article today that someone was talking about millennials, the younger generation, and why What they're looking for in church, and it isn't, you know, more technology and the whole, you know, everything being polished and and like a concert. What they're looking for is genuine. They're looking for something that isn't put on. They don't want to show. They want something that's honest. They want something that's real. And that includes sometimes the uncomfortable realities that come with people. I'd rather be able to deal with the struggles than pretend they're not there. And I think what's happened so much in church is it's easier to make things seem black and white and clear, and that gives us a sense of comfort. But life is rarely that clear. And so you have people who are in various places in life, and you want to just quickly put them in one category or the next. Oh, they're Christian. They're not Christian. Well, I think they know Jesus, but I think they're having struggles in these areas of their life. Well, that messes up my whole compartmentalizing thing. Well, that's probably because your compartmentalizing isn't adequate. It's not truthful. And so again, we need to be people who are truthful, people who are genuine. It's what we're called to do. And again, Christ is our model, and he's the one who we are being shaped into his image. So all the doubts, all the hangups, all the problems that we have, we take before God and say, hey, this is me, this is where I'm at, and allow him to do his work in us. But don't pretend that you're something you're not. He goes on and he says, "With the around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, Righteousness is relational, and its conditions depend on the nature of the relationship. For example, the right way to treat maybe your father and your mother is to honor them. But I'm convinced that righteousness goes beyond performing one's duty in the relationship. The righteousness we know in God forges a bond with others. It has to do with justice. It has to do with living right with others. How we interact with others. To love your neighbor as yourself. To act in a way that is just. To act in a way that is right. To have a relationship with these people that is going to be healthy. Because active spirituality is the, the fruit that grows from this seed of righteousness. Spirituality is a result of the right relationships with God and with people. Spirituality, even as we've been talking about, has substance. It shows up in conduct. And so how important it is to have relationships that are good and that are healthy, that are encouraging, and that move people forward. And think about this. I mean, this is all the armor of God. If you're in this battle, if you're in this warfare, if you're going to continue pushing the kingdom of God forward, you have to be genuine and you have to have good relationships with people. You have to have this kind of interaction with them that's going to be healthy because that's the only way you can move forward. That's the only way you can grow and have fruit from your life is if you're genuine And if your relationships are good, you're treating people well. Because I don't care how much you know, if you treat people bad, then you're not representing the new humanity in Christ. And this is going to be one of the stumbling areas in your life. It's going to be one of the areas where you trip up. Why? Because now there is schism between you and other people, and it will affect you and it'll affect others. And remember, we're in something that's bigger than ourselves. This isn't just about you. This isn't just about me. This is about us. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. Together, we are moving forward, having this mentality. And so we need to have the right relationships This righteousness that has been given to us by Christ, we have a right relationship with God because of Jesus, and now we need to extend that right relationship to others. It has to be one that's filled with justice and the righteousness that comes from God. Verse 15, he says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. For a Roman soldier... Reliable footwear ensured readiness, mobility, uh, steadiness, regardless of the terrain. No matter what the terrain was, they were able to move forward. And, and so this footwear that we have is the same thing. It's what enables us to move forward. There's a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 52:7 it says, "How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news." who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, for some adolescent reason, I've always had a hard time with thinking of feet as beautiful, right? I mean, it's just like you don't think of feet as beautiful. But the whole point is it it is beautiful because it's true that the message is wonderful and the recipients of that message are desperate. They need to hear this. And so you're moving forward with this incredible message that is bringing peace to people. And it's so important that we recognize that it's peace that moves forward. Again, this connection to warfare can can take us down some wrong places, I think you know, this being linked to, you know, army boots or that kind of mentality. But what's moving forward is the idea of making this good news, the peace with God, available. You know, so many times Christians assault people with the good news. And then people... Don't respond, not because the news isn't good, but because the messenger is dealing with it in a way that's not being receptive. Well, you know, it's not so much the message that's a problem, it's the messenger. And so the idea isn't here, okay, we've got our our armor on, we're going to go attack. No, the idea here is we are equipped to move the gospel forward. And it's to bring peace to people, bring peace to between them and God, to help them to recognize that God has made peace through Jesus. And the readiness that comes from that gospel of peace, the good news of peace, it's simply being prepared to go where our day takes us because we go in God no matter where that is. We take this message with us. Why? Because that's who we are. We are citizens of heaven. We are people who are part of the new humanity. We carry with us this incredible message. And so our feet are always prepared to move this message into the lives of whoever we encounter, no matter what the terrain is. So when you're at work and you're having conflict with your boss or coworkers or at school or in family, the terrain is different. The terrain is difficult. You need to be prepared. Have your ability to take this gospel of peace into this situation at all times. Because that's what you need to do. That's what we need to do. That's what it is to be prepared. We're, we're dressed for the occasion because this is who we are. You see, and if you don't have the understanding that you are in this not as a bystander, but you are in this as a person who is involved, then you can easily put off your responsibilities and then you don't need to put on the gospel, you know, the shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. Why? Because I'm not taking this to anybody. And if you're not taking it to anybody, yeah, well, then you don't need to clothe yourself with it, but that's not who you are. If you are in Christ then you are automatically in this family and now you are co-heirs with Christ and now you carry the ministry of reconciliation. And so we have to be ready to take this wherever we go and to whoever we encounter because, again, we go in God. He tells us then in verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith is not actually something that is in addition to the previous gear, as it states here. The actual translation is in all things. And so instead of in addition, it's in all things, take up the shield of faith. It's suggesting that the shield covers everything else. This faith covers our breastplate. It covers the the belt, the truth. It, it covers the feet that are, you know, fitted with this gospel of peace. It, it covers all of who we are. But since Paul is talking about faith, he, he probably is talking about something else. Faith permeates every essential piece and part of our spiritual protection. It's okay to say that you know, I, I I don't understand my circumstances, my you know sadness or depression. I, I don't understand what's going the in going on in my life at this time, but I trust God. That's faith. I I I don't know why this is happening to me but I trust God. I I don't know why there's such contention in this relationship or such struggle, but I trust God. I I don't know what is going to happen with this illness or with financial problem or whatever relational problem, but I trust God. And, And so in every aspect of your life, faith is supposed to be surrounding it. Your trust in God for all these things. The shield serves to extinguish the the darts, the arrows of the evil one. It's actually darts they are thrown, not shot. This is closer range. The, the things that are thrown at us. And let's face it, a lot gets thrown at us. A lot of things get thrown at us from different places and different ways. At work, things get thrown at you. In your family, things get thrown at you. In the world in general, things get thrown at you. Health, lack of health, things will get thrown at you. There's so much that is thrown at us. And you see, faith is what enables us to extinguish those things. It'd be great if they stopped them from getting to us, but it doesn't. But what it does is allow us to take that blow, but it doesn't affect us because... Our faith shields us from those things. You know, the literal translation here is great because that analogy of things thrown at us. Because I think we can relate to that. You ever feel like all of a sudden you get a phone call and just someone threw something at you? It's like, man, I felt like I was blindsided. That's where I need my faith. It'd be nice if they were quenched before they reached us. But this is why we need a sturdy trust in God more than just beliefs in God. Trust in God carries us even when our beliefs are struggling. I trust you. I don't understand this, but I trust you. And we can trust him because of his faithfulness in the relationship we have with him. Because we know he has been faithful, because he has seen us through time and time again, I can trust you. And so our trust in God is based on his faithfulness to us. And now when we hit a circumstance like Job, even though he slay me, yet will I praise him. How could you say that unless you know him? You don't praise someone who's going to, quote, slay you. And the whole idea of Job is, I trust whatever comes from God's hand. I accept it because I believe in him. And so we need to recognize this is why we need this trust, this faith. And this is why it surrounds every aspect of our life. And then he goes on and he talks about, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation is, is part of God's arsenal. Turn with me to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, starting at verse 15. Isaiah 59, verse 15 through 17. It says, Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. So truth is nowhere to be found. Truth is The lack of truth is a problem here. What are we girding ourselves with? Belt of truth. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. No justice. There's no righteousness. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And so this passage in Isaiah is really what Paul is gleaning from. And as we start reading this, we say, oh, yeah, look at what he's doing here. And so where he's showing God acting and God doing, he's wanting us now to be a part of that. And as he deals with the salvation, salvation is, we need to get over the idea that salvation is a fixed event that happened in the past or even just something that is going to happen in the future, that salvation is now and it's ongoing. Remember, salvation also means healing. Salvation means wholeness. It's not just you said a prayer and you got saved. Salvation is continuing. It's something that is taking place in our lives now. We have been forgiven our sins and spread, you know, spared from the wages of sin, which is death. Eternal life is ours. It's ours now, but God continues to rescue us in many ways so salvation is continuing on and on god is healing our wounds and throughout our lives he's bringing us to wholeness and he does it through a lot of ways and so this helmet of salvation is something that we wear understanding that god is at work in our lives an awareness of this work that he is doing constantly continually in our lives because if your faith is something that happened in the past and isn't taking place right now how can you move forward this good news how can you take it forward if it's something that just happened in the past see it loses its power it's like the guy who you know was all state back in high school but he's 30 years old now and all he talks about is when he played football And my senior year, I had the passing record, and I did this. That's great. How many years ago was that? Well, yeah, that was 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Well, you know, that was great. What's happened in 20 years? Well, nothing. That's terrible. Salvation is something that we wear daily. It's something that God is doing in us regularly. It's meant to be an ongoing process because God is continuing to make us whole. There is isn't a person I know, a follower of Christ, who is not in need of salvation every day. Some of the people who are the most together people I know struggle and need God's healing in some way, some form, some fashion. It's something we all need to do. And so now it becomes this helmet It becomes something that we wear, this awareness that God is working in my life, that I am being saved because of what Jesus has done and allows me to move forward. He goes on and he says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. After all, we are are cut by it as deeply as anyone The sword of the spirit, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. But something interesting that's here, Paul doesn't use the word logos for the word of God. Logos is a written word where we get the idea of scripture. He uses the word rhema, which is a spoken word. And here it's important because it's a message that is addressed to people in a situation. The sword of the Spirit is this word of God, the spoken truth of God that is given in the specific situation. You see, the the Spirit can make the logos, the written word, the spoken word. We can take what is written and now we can speak it into the lives of people. We can take the truth of God that we have from Scripture, but now we make it alive. And this is what we experience when we gather together. It's supposed to be what we experience. We actually encourage one another. We actually could speak into each other's lives. And that's the idea, is that we can give encouragement. We can give people the truth of who God is, his love for them, as we minister to them. Some Christians let the Bible speak for them. They just quote verses. You, you go through something and they give you a Bible verse. And no matter what it is, they just come out with Bible verses as if quoting a Bible verse is the end of the discussion. Other Christians let the Bible speak through them. So instead of just quoting a verse what I can do is relate the truth. And it comes across a lot more palatable, a lot more sympathetic. It's actually now I'm able to communicate to them on a personal way instead of saying, well, you know, the Bible says, well, thank you very much. And you guys have probably been there where you're going through something and you know what the Bible says, but you're feeling a certain way. And someone comes along and they give you encouragement, and they're really telling you what the scriptures say, but they're doing it with their arm around you. They're doing it with tears in their eyes as they're crying with you. And now the word is actually spoken, and it's actually alive. And that's what he's talking about here. Okay, we take on this awareness of God is with us and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the spoken word that now is able to bring that salvation into the lives of those around us. The spirit can make the logos of God, the Rama of God. This is what we experience together. And this comes from receiving God's spoken word into our hearts with joy. In Jeremiah 15 verse 16 it says your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. It's something that now we've consumed and it consumes us and now we're able to give it out to others and so All these things are really dealing with the relational aspect of us with God and us with each other. It has to do with the character that God wants us to have as we move forward as his people. And then he moves to a place where he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert, And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whatever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. The importance of communication with headquarters. You've got your marching orders. You've got to get them from God so that you're moving in the right direction. If you're going to be equipped and ready to take on this task of being his people, then you have to be in communication with the commander-in-chief. You have to be in his... He needs to be able to speak into your life. His communication has to be paramount in our hearts if we're going to be his people moving this message forward. And as he says, with all prayer, it's a general term for all out interactions with God. There's we talked about prayer a couple Sundays ago, where we, we talked about the idea of, you know, meditating on the Lord. We talked about the idea of, you know, being thankful talked about interceding. There's all types of prayer. And and so the whole idea is we are to be in interaction with God in all the ways that we can. The word petition is used twice in this verse and, and it's specific requests, specific requests that we're making out to God. Prayer is not always asking for things or doing all the talking. Sometimes, you know, well, we understand when he says by at all times. Remember Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. How can you pray without ceasing? Well, you're in a a constant awareness of God in your life. You're you're constantly hearing these things. And so prayer is this constant communication with God. The more we practice sitting in God's presence, the easier it gets to return to his presence. The, The more you get used to calling out to God in times that, might just happen the easier it is to do it over and over again the the more you talk with someone about a certain subject, you know, if you're uh, selling wood for example, like I used to, you know, it's a whole new terminology. If you do computer and tech stuff, it's a whole new terminology. And so, if I'm going to talk to them, I have to learn the language so I can communicate with them. And I have to learn the language. Well, then there's this dynamic with God where the more I communicate with him, the more the language gets comfortable. And pretty soon I can dialogue with God in a way. Why? Because it's something that's ongoing. It's something that's constantly happening. I'm praying on all occasions, I'm praying at all times, and I can set requests out to the Lord. I can sit and listen for God to speak to me. And it's drawing near to God. I mean, there's a number of scriptures in Hebrews 4:16, 7:19. It all talks about drawing near to God. And the whole point is, eventually we develop an awareness. Not a feeling, but an awareness of being in God's presence. You see, praying on all occasions, I'm aware that I'm in God's presence all the time. The whole reason I have this armor on is because I am doing God's work. He's working in me, through me, for his cause. And so I'm in constant communication with him as I move forward. If it's not in the foreground of our attention, it always at least lingers in the background. It's always there, an awareness that's there. We never break the connection. We never stop communication with headquarters. There, There is no amen, I'm done talking to you. There's no over and out, God, see you later. I'm going to the Dodger game. You know, it it doesn't end. No, I I go to the game, and and God is there with me. I I go to work, and God is there with me. I go to school, I go to wherever, and God is there. There is no end of that communication. It, It doesn't stop. And then he says, praying in the Spirit. What is praying in the Spirit? Communication with God will always be mysterious. It will always entail some kind of mystery. Most of the time, Romans tells us we don't know how to pray as we should. And that's okay because prayer can move at a deeper level than our words. Right? Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In some incomprehensible way, God's Spirit prays within us. And this is praying in the Spirit. And we're given further insight into this throughout 1 Corinthians. But he'll say, I I pray in a tongue and my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my mind also, 1 Corinthians 14 verses 14 and 15. What Paul describes is the Spirit of God praying with and within our spirits. Remember, the whole point of this book is that you are now a part of this family, that you are now a child who is seated In heavenly places you are now in a dynamic living a powerful relationship with God that affects your life and when you pray God's Spirit is also with you and is also praying usually our mind is full of thoughts when we express in words when we pray in the Spirit words are unnecessary And you have probably all prayed in the Spirit at times, but didn't even know it. You get some news. Your heart sinks. You find out someone has cancer. And you go, oh, God. And maybe that's all that comes out. Or you hear about an event that happened, even a a tragedy, an earthquake or something like that. And all of a sudden you just say, oh, Lord. And and you just have, it it affects you. It affects you physically as well as it does emotionally. It, it, It affects the core of who you are so that you don't even know what to say. And all you can do is just, oh, how does that translate? The Spirit of God translates it. He takes those groanings and he turns them into prayers. And he makes them into words. We pray at a deeper level than our thoughts or even our feelings. Because it is the Spirit of God Himself praying with us. The mind is unfruitful. It's placed on hold or it's kind of in neutral. Because you can only go so far in some of these things. I, I. I can't comprehend this. I I don't understand this. I, I, I can only go so far mentally, but there is more that needs to be said, and the Spirit of God himself is able to say it. The Scripture tells us to seek the Lord. It's an active prayer. It's a prayer of our will and effort. We're also told to wait on the Lord. That's less active, but it's not passive. Remember, when we wait on the Lord, it's not like, okay, I'm going to watch TV and wait for God to call. It's, again, like a waiter sitting at the table waiting to see, do you need water, do you need more bread? I'm waiting on the Lord. And so it's not passive. We're on alert, attentive, watching, listening, aware. Jesus says in Luke 1235 38 the parable of the servants kept their lamps burning, watching for the Lord, waiting on him to see when he would return. We present petitions to God for ourselves, for others. And Paul says, for me, what did he want God to do for him? That when he opened his mouth, the right words would come out boldly. That he would be able to do this fearlessly. And he says that a couple of times, which gives us the impression that maybe he was actually a little scared. Maybe he was actually a little intimidated and said, "I need your prayer so that I won't be." And that's kind of a heavy thought because of Paul, we think, oh, he always was bold, but then he's asking for prayer in this. We look into his call to to this just idea of prayer, where he's calling out to them. He says to make known, "I've been fearlessly to make known the mystery of the gospel." which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. As he's so wrapped up in the mystery of the gospel, Jesus made known to the people and to us, he wants to be able to fearlessly present that to them. And so, kind of in concluding, I think that the symbolism of armor speaks to our inner need for security speaks to our inner need to be connected to God in a way that has support from God. We are, again, a part of this brigade. We are soldiers in his army. We are people doing his work. Only God does not secure our homes. He doesn't secure our income. He doesn't secure our health. What is it we're trying to protect with this armor? If it's not my finances, if it's not my health, what is the armor there to protect? Is it to protect our ideas of God, our concepts of theology? In prayer, I don't want to encounter more ideas. I want to encounter God. The defense is for our spirits and their connection with God whole idea for the armor is that we would stay connected to God and useful for God. That's why it's there. I need these things. I need to be truthful. Why? Because then I'm not playing games with God. I need to be a person of justice because if I hold iniquity in my heart, it's going to affect my relationship with God. I need to have faith that God is with me in all these situations. I need to recognize that he is at work in my life. All these things are to keep my connection with God alive and dynamic. I can be in the world doing God's will and my inner life is shielded. No matter what is thrown my way, it won't affect my ability to do the task at hand. The world may break my body, it can break my mind, but it cannot touch my spirit. And if the physical peace and security we desire doesn't continue or doesn't happen, we can prepare ourselves for the adventure that is ahead, whatever that might be. We can prepare ourselves for that adventure to know that God is with us and that he will continue with us whatever May happen. And so we have to show kindness. We have to show forgiveness. We have to be merciful, generous, compassionate. No matter what happens to us, we have to continue the things that God has shown towards us, towards those who we encounter. Because that's what it means to be his disciple, his soldier. A person who's equipped for the task that is at hand. Let's pray. Father, I pray that these things that we talk about, the armor, would be a daily process for us, God. That we would recognize that all these things that are explained here are things that happen to us in, in a regular basis. And that we need to be truthful people. We need to be people who are just. We need to be able to trust you no matter what comes our way and allow your work to continue in us. Father, we need to move forward the gospel of peace and to do it well, to do it with your heart and your intention. And Lord, might we recognize the importance of communication with you, prayer at all times, Lord, Because if we aren't talking to you, how can you be talking to us? If we aren't open to communication, Lord, we are going to find ourselves stranded and confused. And so may we stay in constant communication. And this whole point, Lord, of this armor is that we would recognize the importance of that communication and connection with you. Lord, may that continue in each of our lives as we trust in you and as we walk and serve you. We ask it in Jesus' name.